All right, it seems to be the consensus is let's just talk this morning. So Malcolm starts out with Isaiah 26.3, and we've looked at that verse before where, where he comes out from the perspective of you, God, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. And actually, that word mind, most English translations use that, except Young's literal translation actually does translate that as imagination. And I find it fascinating that I think the King James, if I remember correctly, translated tr translates it as imagination as well. But other than that, most modern English translations shift it from imagination to mind. So my first question that I want to po pose out today is why do you think that is? It was probably because the church wanted to change that whole use of the imagination and control it and manage it a little bit better. And so they just changed the way it was translated to, to be something more innocuous. Yeah, they had this little war on the imagination, I guess. Imagination can be messy. <laughs> if it runs just, if it just runs rampant, it can create lots of, lots of havoc, I guess. But if we have imaginations that are, well, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use this word, disciplined in a sense, that we are focused on good and we realize consciously the power of imagination, it, it's really significant. And I just, find, I, I just find it interesting that they took the Hebrew word yatsar and instead of translating it imagination, translated it as mind in most trans, most modern translations. But again, if you look at that root word, it's it's forming, it's framing, it's preparing, it's imagining, it's that potter concept, you know, forming something to make it a reality. And so Malcolm says a lot about it. So what all did you guys hear about him saying about imagination? What was that verse again, Terry? Isaiah 26, 3. Okay. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. Well, the one thing I, I remember, you know, listening to this a number of times was that the, and you already mentioned it, that the imagination is neutral. Mm. That there is Again, there's no right or wrong in it. It's how you apply it, I guess. Great. And the only other place, you know, is in uh, the Tower of Babel where it mentions, you know, God says, you know, if man's imagination, they can accomplish anything. Right. Roughly mm -hmm. translated. And it's, I think the church just had the idea of we've got to control the people. We've got to, we've got to, yep. we can't let them get out there. Right. I think it's just a control thing. I think so. Too. I agree. Yeah, I mean, certainly if we have an understanding how powerful our imagination is and how it says in, in verse 20, or 26.3, Isaiah 26.3, that when, we're, when our imagination is stayed or held up or kind of like a trellis 
if if God is the basis of holding that up, then we 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 fall into trust naturally, and when we're naturally trusting God, I believe we're going to use that imagination out of our identity as sons of God for good. And it can be good for our own lives, but it can also be, I mean, looking at how he described the role of David, it had a collective societal impact, one person. Uh, and when I, the, as I kept listening to this, I, I kept getting more stunned by one person changed a significant outcome for a whole nation of people. And I, and I keep asking God, what's the lesson in that? And so I want to ask you guys, what, what's the lesson of one person's imagination altering the, the outcome of history like that? So there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. Not power for good, yeah. power for leadership, power for encouraging people. I don't know. That's my thought. It's good. I was too. Was that? It was the. It's the. Uh, it's, it's coming out of his mouth, and mm -hmm. he's and he's he's almost exasperated with them. You know, it's like, why aren't you even? Why aren't you where I am in this thought process? And I mean, he 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 to coin a term, he changed an atmosphere. Just because he, uh, because he was so um, in his imagination, he had it was so finished for him. And he had, I mean, the way Malcolm described it, David David never doubted once nope. the outcome. His he never wavered. His imagination was steadfast, if that's a word you want to use, or it was locked on and he just knew that he knew that he knew that the outcome was already decided and he didn't necessarily at the at, at first glance know how it was going to happen he just knew it was going to happen and, and i thought that was pretty powerful and i and it gives me encouragement to know that we as a group on any given day we can have as great an impact as that in our area, in our culture, in our whatever. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. But this was a good reminder for me that, and, and then when you couple that with 2000 downloads, you know, in, in, a, in a year from podcasts that we've published, I just think we have a lot more impact than we realize. And if we can begin to imagine a greater level of impact and, and really meditate on that the way Malcolm was talking about meditation, I think we see things drastically change rapidly around us. Your thoughts about that? Well, I think that David knew who he was. He knew his identity. And he was steadfast in his belief in God. And he wasn't swayed by the persuasions of those around him who were 
contrary to what he knew to be true. And the thing that I got out of most of this was Malcolm. Boy, that man can talk in monotone. But anyway, the thing I got about him most was that even in our political situations today, there are those who succumb to the pressures of the government and to uh, social pressures and everything so that they they give in to all of that. Yet there are some of us who say, wait a minute, that that's not who I am and I'm not going to bow down to that. And um, I think that that's where David was at. He knew that he knew that he knew and his knower who he was, what he was about, and who his God was. And I think as long as we, in our imaginations, remember who we are, then then we're good. It's kind of like the example of, um, let's say I, I have three lemons out on my counter, and I want to make a lemon meringue pie. I've never made one before. And they're sitting there because I'm a little bit afraid that it's going to turn out really, really bad. <laughs> But my imagination sees it as puffy and beautiful. And it's just the fact that I have to take that imagination and make it work. I can't bow down to the fact that I'm afraid that it's going to be a failure. I have to just go out there and do it. And I think that that's where David was at. That's my take. Wow, that just hit me, Linda, about art. How so, Mary? I just think, oh, it's just not going to turn out. It's not, you know, and so I have to have God's imagination about how it, how he can use me to do it, or otherwise I just won't even start. Carol? Um, I, I think, tagging along with what Linda said, um, David did not allow uh, Goliath's imagination to he just didn't allow it to come into himself. He didn't allow the, his brother's imagination or the army's imagination. He didn't allow everyone else's imagination to um, derail him. He, he stayed steadfast. He stayed with it. And I think that that's, that's a, a good thing, you know, even for me in my, my life to... Um, stay focused on, wait a minute, this is, this is the, the imagination that I am going with, and I know who I am in Christ, and I know my imagination is powerful, and he can do more than I can imagine, and um, not look at the circumstances, not look at the, the past, not, you know, whenever past situations come into my mind, and I can go, oh, no, 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 that's been forgiven, forgotten, that's that's I keep no record of that wrong anymore. That's that's over with. That's that's in the past. It's not now. And you know, it, it is a new it, it, it's a new story. And and not go with those stories. You know, our imagination can can really come up with some pretty interesting stories. <laughs> and you know, like how many arguments have you had in your head with somebody who you're not even in the same room with them and you're having this argument in your head with them. That's your imagination. Um, how many times did I, I started attending my dad's funeral when I was in college. He died 40 years later. How many times did I go to my dad's funeral in my imagination prior to that? Quite a few. And now I realize, okay, you, our imagination will, will 
prompt stories and then we start building these stories and they're not true. And if they were to come to pass, we wouldn't want them to come to pass. Um, so if we can go, whoa, wait a minute, this is what I want to come to pass. This is what is true. This is, you know, staying fixed on truth, fixed on my identity, fixed on uh, God, his love, his goodness, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I think that I think that all of these uh, things in our mind, that the fears that we have, the thoughts that come into our minds, oh, we can't do this. You know, this is going to happen, but I got to overcome that. So I was thinking last night, so I listened to the, um, Malcolm's twice, once last week and once this, yesterday. And I was thinking about the overcoming because Revelation talks about that a lot, overcoming, overcoming. And I always thought, well, what, overcoming, how do you overcome? And I uh, thought came to me that in our minds, there's so, since we're learning so much more about our minds, that there's a lot of things in our minds that we have to overcome. Things that may have been set in there since we were ch children or some experience that may have set things off. And, and they're hard to overcome, those things in your mind. And uh, so there's there's a few things in my life that I need to overcome and figure out a way how to do it. And the day we're living in, it's it's almost visual, the things that are happening out there to, to stand strong and do what you have to do and make sense of things. But overcoming yourself is, uh, is a challenge. <laughs> A really big challenge. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think we're going to look at some some techniques and some thoughts about that over the next few months about how to do some of that. Um, <clears throat> the old days we would go navel gazing till we found the root and then try to pull the root, but I don't think we have to go that deep. I think our imaginations can help us um, identify, you know, some positive outcomes, and then we just do some other techniques that that don't require us to go digging all the time. So we're going to look at some of that. Um, and, and one of the things Malcolm said that I think, I think as we begin to, to meditate on is we can't live without imagination. We got it. It's wired in. I didn't understand that concept till I listened to this video. It's there. It's wired. It's always on. Now, what am I going to do with it? Um, Can I say something? Yes. Um. You just mentioned something about digging back or digging in and trying to figure things out. And it just struck me that if, if, our, if our minds and our thoughts and our imaginations are fixed on him and who we are, then eventually it would seem to me that the Holy Spirit would bring to us what it is that we need to uncover, unravel rethink rather than us having to do that so consciously because when we do that so consciously it seems that we take away from what and who we are in the now does that make any sense that makes a lot of sense i like that i think that you know it's not bad to try and figure out what has brought or feel 
that becomes our sole focus, then we lose focus on who we are now. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Do you think maybe we have to be aware or just not even think about it at all? Oh, I think we could be, we need to be aware of it, but I don't think it needs to rule our lives. I don't think it needs to be so, so consuming that, okay. you know, you know, I don't think that <clears throat> when you rely on, let's say there's something happened in your past and you rely on a psychiatrist or whatever to find that you are so conscious of all the bad things in the past that you forget that there's a God now who can reveal that and help you. Now, I'm not saying that having someone help you is wrong because I think that that's good. That's a way for, for someone to come to grips with some things. But when that becomes the main focus, then I think it's out of focus. And sometimes things in the past, they feel comfortable to, to you because you're so familiar with them that you don't want to let them go subconsciously. Yep, I agree. And maybe that's where, you know, the um, someone helping you to figure that out is a good thing. Yeah, they can tell you how to let it go. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else want to comment on that? I think there are times when when we can something will come up and we address it. And like I say, we're going to look at some techniques that are out there, some that Carol have used um, and others have used that have really made great strides with, without having to get into all of the energy that goes in in trying to uncover something that the subconscious doesn't want to come out. And I see Aaron shaking. That's what I was trying to say. It's that all that energy, you waste all that energy. Yeah. And you need to have that now. Yeah. And so I, I just think we're going to learn that. And, and Melka makes a comment about the six-minute mark of this video that I really highlighted. Only religion would disallow this enormous power within us, uh, tying our hands and saying Christians don't use their imagination or can't use their imagination. I don't know how many times I heard, can't use your imagination, can't use your imagination. It's dangerous. It's not from God. And yet Malcolm is saying, not only is it from God, but it's extremely powerful. And to not, to not use it from a conscious perspective, it's going to get used. Are we going to let the subconscious drive the imagination? Or are we going to be focused from a conscious perspective of, on our identity? what what is you know wanting to do the desires of our heart the things that god's put in there are we going to go after those or are we just going to go back in because i don't i don't hear newton uh, malcolm saying there's there's a neutral expression of imagination he's saying imagination is neutral but it is going to be expressed one way or the other what's your thoughts i think that uh Go back to the point of meditation, you know, where we meditate and imagine the goodness of God and start there. Where if you're a Far Eastern, you empty your mind and let anything flow in. And I, I, I think the point that he's trying to make here is you, as much as we wish we 
had the physical presence of God all the time, we need to use our imagination to realize he's there, that he, he is the one that's always there. And when we learn to, to meditate on him all the time, we, we bring in peace, and then we realize that peace is a steady peace. It's not going to be moved by something that might time to time flow into our minds. That, you know, that wrong imagination, you know, that sometimes, sometimes, that, that all the time flows into all of our minds is, does not dispel the goodness of God. Because, you know, if you look at verse 4, it says, trust in the Lord forever because he is an everlasting rock. He is, he's always going to be there. And that's where we need to get, we need to ground ourselves into. And when we ground ourselves into that thought pattern, we understand that he's always with us. It's, you know, and we find peace in that. Not that we're free of problems and situations and thought patterns and whatever, but we know that we can go back to the foundation where we're always at peace with him. I think, I think that's, that's part of the problem that uh, the church had is that where you start imagining things, you're going to dispel everything that we think you ought to believe about God. And at that point, no, it, it just doesn't work that way. It's once you get to that bedrock, it's like when we talk about grace, we, we come from the standpoint that, you know, God is love. That is a bedrock. And we find peace in that. And we imagine and we and we think about that. And and as we grow in our spiritual lives, we we bring other pieces of God's personality or his whatever that word was that you we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We bring those into our lives and we realize these are true things. These will not change. And that if you can say cleanses your imagination, fine, you know. But it gives us someplace steady to stay. You're not drifted about in your life. Mm -hmm. It's good. I think that makes sense. Yeah. So is that your mind stayed on him and putting on the mind yeah. of Christ? That, that, that was well said. You said that well. Or the washing of the water of the word. It reminded me of that, Greg, when you were talking about that, how you just keep going back to... Uh, who is he? Who is he really? And who is he to me? And who am I to him? And just stay there. Yeah. You know, and, and Malcolm even said at one point, only when we understand the power of our imagination and as we as we understand that we're being stayed, stayed upon the Lord, only then can we truly trust God. How much energy do we free up when we get to the point where we can truly trust God and let our imagination go go off and do great things? I, I'm just I, you know, he talked to Malcolm talked about identity in here, but he also talked about this conscious understanding of the power of our imagination. I did not really understand the conscious power of imagination until the last couple of years, and I'm just beginning to even more firmly understand it. Now, I mean, go ahead, Carol. I was going to say, I had this image when you were sharing that, that quote from him 
when we're not trusting God, I, I saw this image. Um, those of you who are old enough to remember the, the spinning plates, the guy running around keeping all this plates spinning, you know, that's what we're doing when we're not trusting. We're out there trying to keep those plates from falling and breaking and we're trying to keep things going and and we're using a lot of energy to do that. Yeah. And that's just the image I had. Yeah. And Greg, you mentioned Malcolm talked about meditation. He talked about biblical meditation versus Eastern meditation is emptying your mind. But biblical meditation is actually seeing yourselves in the scripture, in the event, in the moment, in the now, and actively participating in that. Boy, I can I think I can get my imagination there now because for so many years I didn't I didn't consciously imagine. Because I was just told you can't do that. And, and I'm so excited about this shift in me being able to look at this more. Um, because I think it's just, I think it really is part of us being the manifestation of the sons of God. And I'm I'm pumped about it. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. <laughs> oh, wow. And then he talks about hope as part of imagination. Did you connect in, did you connect to that at all? Yeah, that was something that he was saying. Repeat that again, Terry. Sure. He talked about in the New Testament the word imagination is, is correlated and linked to the word hope. Hope in the scriptures, he says, means a passionate desire, expectation of actually obtaining some good, some good and good end or outcome and so we have in in the natural is the hope is like deferred it's something that may happen someday i want it to happen but i don't know if it ever will and he's saying no hope is when it was when you link imagination to an outcome now the hope becomes more of a certainty and expectation of fulfillment um Envisioning a good outcome is one of the phrases he used there. So our hope, our expectation is our imagination at work towards the good outcome, seeing the good outcome, kicking the emotions into that. Um, I'm going to show a video probably next week. It's a Joe Dispenza video that talks about the power of imagination. And one of the things they talked about is they actually got people for one hour a day to meditate on, on, in their imagination, doing bicep curls. They weren't actually physically doing them, but, but then they introduced a, a positive emotion with that. And in 30 days, they had a 13% increase in bicep muscle mass without lifting a weight. And I'm like, whoa, tell me more. Because <laughs> maybe I don't have to hurt as much on Mondays and Tuesdays. <laughs> But that's how powerful the outcome, you know, the, the imagination can be so powerful that it affects the physiological change, including putting on muscle mass. And I was just like, wow. And so I want to show that one either next week or the week after. I've, I've got a couple of sequences I want to pull together. But that's how powerful at a personal level it becomes. And then it, we, we can also outwardly express it. it just the way as powerfully as David did. And that so hope just has a whole different ring to it now for me. I'm I'm like, oh yeah, okay. You know, 
and begin to tie that expectation of, oh yeah, okay, I see that outcome. Yeah, it's a great outcome. That's my outcome, and 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 get my get all of the you know what do I want? What do I what do I think? Where are my imaginations at? What am I meditating on? And then speaking it. And Malcolm was very very cautious in saying or in saying, don't just blurt it out. Let it grow in you, and then speak it out. And I I'm not sure I I connected it that way before as I'm processing new things in my life. But it does kind of make sense to make you, you to get it that you know, that you know, that you know, before you begin speaking it. Um, and I'm not sure I heard that from Don in the past. I may. Yeah. Did he say that in oh, the past? Yeah. I might, I guess I wasn't ready to hear it then. Yeah, he so, said that. Um, so true biblical hope then he, he said is then true biblical hope sees then our saying arises from the scene. So, and it's all rooted in trust. Is God who he says he is? Does he do what he says he's going to do? Can we believe him? I remember he took me back to a, a series a while, a couple of years back. What if we, what if we just took God at his word? <laughs> you know? Oh, hey, we took him at his word. You know, um, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm excited just to have this refresher from Malcolm on this one. And so and then Malcolm said at about the 14, 15 minute mark, the man whose imagination is linked into and trusts God has a life that works for good. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah. The man whose imagination is linked into and trusts God has a life that works for good. You know, and, and, and part of that is trusting, like, you know, you get that desire in your heart. Mary, Carol, you get the desire to create. Stuart, you get the desire to create. Something comes out of that. Because you're at a point now you trust that that desire is going to lead to a creation. You can deny that if you want to, but that's the way I see it. <laughs> um, and I just think that that's so huge that that that's imagination is the story. Carol talked about the story of our life. Imagination then becomes part of the authoring of the story of our life. Where are we going? What are we doing? And I know we've spent a, a long time in the last few years moving from, you know, starting down grace and learning about identity, but we are so well postured right now to express and i see 2022 and beyond as expression years um but i want to back up to that point where david just changed everything what do you why do you think david's imagination was able to overcome all of that negative imagination all of that negative energy that was out there i think he had he had seen it all in his experiences with the sheep and the bear and the lion and God never disappointed him. He was always with him and protecting and helping him. And so experience might have been part of it. Okay. Good. Greg? Well, I've, I've been going back and forth between ESV and Young's on Isaiah 6. And it starts off as we have a strong city. Now, whether we believe it or not, we do have a strong city. And, and that is the salvation in Christ. And it goes on and says, but 
to enter that, you need to use your imagination. I get from the rest of the verses and have faith and use your imagination that, yes, I have this strong city. And then once you get planted in that strong city, you're in perfect peace. You're in protection. You will have basically your heart desires and you will trust in him because he will never fail you. He is a rock forever. And I think David hit that point where he, you know, it doesn't matter what Goliath said. It didn't matter what King Saul said. It didn't matter what his brother said. I know that I live in this, this city and I've allowed my, and to say imagination come to that realization is strong, hard for us in the Western thinking. But he came to the point where, you know, you're not coming against me. There's, you know, when he defeats Saul, you know, you, you come, David said something like, you come against me with, you know, armies or whatever. I come against you in the name of the Lord. My place is where I come from is out of that strong city that I have learned that is there. And, you, and you're not going to get there unless you have an imagination. Well, let me rephrase the question because I, I like what you guys are saying. But here's the point I, I want to discuss. Goliath's imagination was every bit as intense as David's imagination. Goliath was intent for destruction of Israel. David's was intent on destroying Goliath. But their intentions seemed to me the way Malcolm described them were, were, were both extremely strong and powerful. How is it that and maybe this is just a classic thing of good good intention and, and imagination overcomes evil every time. I don't know. I don't have an answer. But I'm throwing that out because it's like, you know, in the old days, you got this God doing battle with the devil. And, you know, it always seemed like they were co-equal and nobody was ever getting victory. Um, and yet here's an example where one person singularly focused with an intense imagination an intense understanding of who he is, an intense understanding of who God is, destroys someone who seemed on the surface to be every bit as intent. I'd just like to hear what you guys think about that. Light overcomes darkness. <laughs> okay. Yep, that's what I think too. I think, I think that the um, <clears throat> when uh, what, what is evil? What's good? Say that again, Mary. So, the mark. So, if if evil is standing up against something, somebody who's on the mark, who's who's lined up with their identity, the one with the identity is going to win. And it's not just Goliath's behavior; it was Goliath's lack of understanding of who he was. Okay. And so, um. David had the standing, the identity of who he was, and that always trumps everything. When we when we stand in our union with Christ, our our, our oneness with the Father, um, His love for us, we stand in that place, and we imagine we win. You know, and somebody who is standing in um, dualism or trying to way. 
Um, we win. We win. That's good. I think I, I have some things that I've been thinking about. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like what Mom was just saying. It's the human uh, free will with the fallen mindset is the evil, and I think that it's not so much good versus evil. I guess you could put it down to that. It's it's God versus the free will being of humans being used in an evil manner. And so uh, I think that, I don't know, I, th I think that we can't ever negate the fact that God has will also. I think we, we're trying to push God. I think instead of feeling like we're, we're making God do something via our imagination, that's not at all what's happening. When we enter into the union, our imagination is his imagination, and he wants what's best for us. So I think, have you ever noticed, like, sometimes people who don't have any idea about this whole quantum uh, and imagination stuff, they, they, they ponder bad things all day and God still manages to bless them. I think that that happens more than we, we like to think. I think that we can obviously tap into it and improve the situation, but I think God's blessings are abundant regardless and and i think that um in the circumstance of david he was in alliance with with the imagination of god and and with uh goliath he wasn't and so you, you can it's kind of like what malcolm said okay we'll go from here so everywhere we're at with our imagination he tends to morph it into his will interesting that's a good good way of describing that in alliance with the imagination of God. I think that is profound. Somebody needs to write that down. I've got my notes for my paper here, so I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> he's, he's writing his paper as we're as we're talking. I could just see him. So is that similar? That's really good though. Is is what you said, Aaron, is that similar to having the heart mind uh coherence? with you know my imagination um, in a alliance or in you know with the nature of god is that what is that similar or am i i i think god is omnipotent so he's he's all powerful he he, de he demonstrates that all the time but it's that we also have this funny tricky situation of free will that is an attribute of every time that we make a move he will make a counter move towards good and so i think if you are moving in his direction intentionally consciously that is going to be more successful that's what i mean is that you're in alliance with that it means that you're entering into and and hoping to be in union and that's the benefit of being having your identity uh that way that you hope to rather than live from flesh and ego you live from your your spiritual mindset and that's what david did and because with I probably would say just better outcomes because I, I don't think that that's even necessary 
for a lot of people, as is evidenced by the people that you see all the time, that they're not living, a lot of people aren't living awful lives, even though they're not imagining consciously every second of every day, praying without ceasing. They, God blesses them regardless. I think that you can just lean into that alliance a little bit better. And I think that the outcomes will probably be improved. Um, but I don't know that for sure. Well, that's good. If you go into Isaiah 26 down a little bit further, and I the ESPF, in verse 8, it says, My soul is for you in the night. Wait a minute, let me go back. Verse 8 In the past of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you, your name and remember. Oh, sure, we can have imagination. We can strike out the way we want. But David waited to see what the desire of the Lord was. What You know, I know you've got my back, but let me be in the desire of your soul. You know, cause what, what you want is what I want. And that is where I want to be. And your spirit is the one I'm going to seek. So, yeah, we can go out in our own imagination and do our own things. And we'll find we're somewhere out in left field. We're not... You know, God hasn't forsaken us, but David knew, I'm going to wait, and I'm, I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to stay, and I want to be in your perfect peace. And that's where he worked out of, and that's where he found his success. What verse was that, Greg? It's, uh, this ESV is a little easier to understand. It's verse, it starts in verse 8. And nine, it says, my soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. And uh, what book? That's Isaiah 26, right under where you oh. pick, you know, you know, the imagination and stuff. Isaiah 26. Perfect. Thank you. So anybody else got any thoughts? I want to save some of this a little bit deeper for next week. I have some more questions that I want to go, but I want to give others a chance to join us next week. My expectation is, is the things calm down and everybody is set free from what's been beseeching them the last 10 days and we'll be able to get together and have more conversation. But I like this. I want to keep this line going uh, because I think it's very powerful. And I think it's part of what we've been learning and it sets the stage for looking at some of the physiological aspects of all of this and how imagination even plays a role in changing our physiology. So, which means greater health as well. We see ourselves healthier and we'll experience it. So any closing thoughts from anyone? Stuart, you've been quiet. If you want to chat, you've got something to say, you got to unmute. It's been my experience that, like, what the amount of, you can have imagination and you can see a picture of a sailboat and you can see yourself sitting on that sailboat. But until you start applying the, uh, the emotion to it, which seems to be the energy, and that seems to be what causes your imagination to come to life huge vivid imagination but when I put belief into it and energy into it that's when I see things change 
And one of the most strange things I ever observed, I used to take my dad down to the casino and we played Baccarat. And I'd sit there and I'd watch somebody lose and they'd just get furious and they'd be angrier than angry because they're losing. And it's like, you know what? I learned that when, whenever that person is, one of those people is playing, I'll bet against them. And I went, won 90% of the time because it's almost like the amount of energy that they expelled in a negative way was controlling things. So I just kind of was passe and said, eh, okay, I'll bet on the other side. And, and I think going back to like, like Goliath, he looked at David and said, eh, he's a punk, no big deal. And that was dismissed. He didn't have to think about that any further, but David went up and said, no, you're coming against my God and I'll defend him. And he brought an energy level an emotion to that. And I really think it's the emotion is the key. And Keeley talks about that. Let the crock pot, let the emotions grow. And, and that's what even Malcolm was talking about, about letting that grow before you speak it out. Anybody else? So homework, homework this week is just re rehash the second half of when he's talking about David and, and all of that, because that leads into the discussion about how can we impact the culture? How can we, how can we influence what's going on collectively out there right now? And I do want to have some discussion about that next week. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. And I, I probably will share, start showing what some other videos they're usually eight to 11 minutes. I'll probably show those live and then we'll go from there. I just want you to know that I think I would encourage you, all of us to, including myself, to just see all of our, our group whole and our extended families whole. I'm, I'm, I'm with Muriel, as we talked about last week, uh, emptying the hospital out. So um, that works for me. But we're going to start with, with everybody whole and healthy here. And, and that's where my imagination and my expression of that is coming this week, because uh, I truly feel that. I feel that we are that we are going to a greater level of wholeness and understanding and walking that out and and so that's where i'm at that's where i encourage you guys to go and it's been good discussion today and i just think it's been great and we'll pick it up from here next week